This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for joining us on the Philip Scott Audio Experience Podcast. If it's your first time joining us, make sure you uh, follow us, you know, like or subscribe, no matter what program and platform you listen to us on. So today we have another, you know, professional in another uh, section of America, which would be healthcare. Now, last time we uh, interviewed um, the sister in the flight attendants, you know, the airline industry, and she really dropped some jewels and some bombs that a lot of y'all did not know. So the guest we have today isn't a stranger to our platform. You know, she came the first time. Um, Nurse Angela, those of you who know she is, you already know what, what kind of podcast you're about to get with her. Uh, many of you, you know, liked her realness on the situation, you liked her breakdown, uh, what happened. Uh, to the doctor that had COVID, and um, that video did very well, very, very well. Um, so, Nurse Angela, thank you for joining us on the show again. You're welcome. Nice to be here. All right, Nurse Angela, we may have some newbies that showed up um, to the platform since the last time you were here. Can you tell, for the people that's new, um, just a little bit of you know about yourself before we really get into that story? All right. Yes, sure. So um, I've been in nursing and healthcare for 31 years. Um, I am currently a nurse consultant. I've been a nurse consultant for the past 12 years. And um, I'm an advanced practice, what they call an advanced practice nurse, because I have advanced degrees. And I'm an advanced practice nurse in um, public health, which I have been in in regulation. And um, currently, I'm employed with the state of California until tomorrow. And um, I, there I work uh, as a nurse consultant in the capacity that uh, with a medical consultant as well. And so um, and I was uh, I was sent to um, the state of California by the governor. I was hired by the last governor that was here, not Newsom, but the previous governor, um, because CDCR had gotten themselves in a situation where they they no matter where you are in a sector, they will manage. I promise you, they will manage to target black people and then mess with their health, just mess them over. That is just what they do. And so I was sent in um, as a neutralizer because corrections and custody officers just can't get themselves together and get it right. Um, was filtering over into healthcare and impacting the healthcare of the black, the black prisoners. That's who I'm concerned with because I specialize in black healthcare. Um, for 31 years, I've been in black healthcare. I don't deal with the others, even though I've worked in other facilities, right? Um, they were short-lived because I don't have the patience for it. So um, it was short-lived and I go back to county hospitals because I want to deal with my people. And so um, that's what I currently do. And um, I'm here to tell you how the healthcare system gets down, how they get down when it comes to Black people and their main mission on how they would love to just have a get out moment so they can occupy our bodies because they realize the specialness of our melanin and the, and the healing capacity of our melanin. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So um, we can get into it. All right. So when you a, per, a black person, you know, we know the history of, you know, the medical profession, you know, like 
and then I gotta be careful what I say here, especially with that that uh pandemic situation mm-hmm. and YouTube. Any little thing you say, they want to take mm-hmm. your, your situation down. But due to the his- history of a lot of that, uh, a lot of us say, "Nah, I'm yeah. good on a whole lot of things in the medical profession." So when people go to the hospital, for instance, right, um, and, and, and as a black person, um, and they go in. What what is some of the biases that you have seen when black people go in versus let's say the Mzungu go into the hospital? So, you know, I do research too. So um a lot of research I do in health disparities because I'm you know, I I, I will say that I was a victim of health disparities given all the um information that I have and the um experience that I have dealing with the healthcare system. Um, I, too, fell victim to uh, medical negligence and medical discrimination, which I am currently fighting. So um, um, I, when you go into the hospital as a black person or into any kind of healthcare facility, you know, they always have these preconceived notions that um, black people don't. It's the biggest thing that gets us because pain is an indicator that something is wrong. And so how these people have managed to get by with disabling us is that when we come in with a viable issue, and usually it's pain or dysfunction that is bringing us into a hospital situation, because for real, black people will stay at home and die before they really want to come in contact with white people in the healthcare industry. And so um, when you come in and you come in with pain or dysfunction, they immediately minimize that. But if you are a white person, so I'm will, so i gonna give you a, just a, an, a live example of what happened to me and what I'm dealing with right at this moment. So as a nurse consultant, I was working at CDCR and um, as a nurse consultant dealing, doing audits of their healthcare facilities within their prison system. Because I, like I said previously, I was sent there by the last governor uh, because they got sued. And so um, I, I was at this facility doing my audit and I went to go pick up, it's, it's a huge work bag. It weighs about 50, we'll say 35 to 50 pounds, depending on exactly what they decided to stock in it. And it's nursing's responsibility to ensure that these bags are stocked. And what those bags do, they're emergency bags. And so they have oxygen in them, they have medications in them, Narcans, reversal agents, all these different things that you use if a patient should go down out in one of the prison yards. So nursing is responsible to upkeep those. So it is my job as the lead nurse is to audit those and make sure that they're in compliance. And so I went to go pick up this one bag. And then we'll just first start out with saying that they were not within policy on how they stored the bag. And that's how I got injured. So the bag was attached to a dolly and it was on the ground and it had bungee cords around the back, which I didn't see. So when I went to go pick up the bag, I ripped my tendon off of my bone. Yeah, that instant. So that's how I ended up in the workers' comp uh, department of California state uh, government. And so they have contracts with different providers. And the provider that I went to, which was closest to headquarters, which is where I work out of, was um, Kaiser, Kaiser South Sacramento. And so I went in there and I was just so unfortunate to be, you know, presented with a Dr. Iskander. And for seven months, Dr. Iskander did not do anything regarding this tendon tear that I had. And he let me sit on bed rest. He didn't think my pain was viable. He didn't think my dysfunction was viable because I couldn't even move my legs, my right leg specifically. So when I say my legs, my right leg. So I couldn't move my right leg. So therefore I couldn't walk. I couldn't bend. I couldn't sit up because if anybody knows what the gluteus medius muscle is, it's your rotator cuff for your hip. And so the rotator, you have a rotator cuff in your shoulder, which makes your arm go around and round out to the side, up and down, right? Your leg does the same thing. You have a rotator cuff in your leg. 
It's a hip flexor tendon. It makes your leg go out. It makes it go up. It makes it go in. It does all these things. And it's responsible for rotating your pelvis. So I rip that tendon. So basically, my muscles aren't attached to anything. They're not attached to a bone, which is their main purpose. And so for seven months, he just basically poo-pooed my pain. So one day I was lying in bed and my legs stopped working. Just all together stopped working. So I went into their emergency room, which I was promptly discriminated by Dr. Ryland, Andrew Ryland. And um, he stood over by the door. He did an assessment from the door. He told me that my pain was just an exacerbation of um, my muscle injury that I had suffered back in August. So we're in January now. And um, he sent me home. So I went home. I told my daughter absolutely unequivocally. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I went back. Sun, uh, that was on a Sunday. I went back on Monday. I went into Kaiser. I went directly to the emergency room nurse manager and told her that I was discriminated against. They asked me if I was on welfare. Like that don't have nothing to do with why I even came in there. But anyway, um, they asked me if I was on welfare. They didn't address my pain. They didn't address my new onset neurological symptoms. They didn't address my loss of function in my leg. And so when I came back on Monday, she took note of all this and blah, blah, blah. And I was seen by um, Dr. Andrew Elms. And I told him what I wanted done. I said, I want an MRI of my right hip. He said he, said he was going to order it in Epic and blah, blah, blah. And he went and he went down and started charting and came back and told me that I was going to go for my MRI of my hip. And as we go into the MRI suite, as they were transporting me, I looked because I'm a, I'm a trauma nurse. I was a trauma nurse, uh, level one trauma nurse for 10 years. And I look and I'm used to MRI suites and I'm used to what's ordered because like I told you previously, I helped build the Epic system for Sutter Sac Sierra region. And I was the administrator for the electronic health record, the Kronos, which is the payment system and the Clairvia, which is the scheduling system, which I created all of those. And so when I asked him to put it in an Epic, I was very clear. And so when they were transporting me over there, I noticed that they had a long back MRI plate. And so I asked the tech, I said, uh, where's the hip plate? Because this is the back plate. And he said, oh, no, they ordered a back. No, you take me back over there. So I, he literally wheeled me over there. And I had a screaming match with this physician out in the middle of the ER. I'm so embarrassed that I had to do that. But it was my life. That's how I felt. And he finally begrudgingly ordered the MRI of my hip to come back to tell me that you have a full thickness tear in your gluteus medius tendon, but that's not what's causing your pain. It's anything. They don't ever want to be wrong. They don't ever want to follow your lead because they always think they know when they really don't know. That's why I'm like, why do black people even think about trying to like think these people know what they're talking about? They don't know what they're talking about ever. So they did that. He told me, you know, follow up with Dr. Iskander in two weeks. Well, forget that. I don't care what you say about nothing. I ain't following up with Dr. Iskander in no two weeks. I, wa I walked from that ER on crutches, on crutches, mind you. I was walking a little bit previously. So the new onset was that I was on crutches because I could not even bear weight on my leg. And I thought to myself, they have poo-pooed this whole experience that I've had, which has led, which led them to where they are right now. Because I would not be suing them if they had not done what they did. Well, let me and ask so, you a few questions I want to ask real quick, uh, Nurse Angela. Um, when you went in and they mm -hmm. said, when they asked you, you were on welfare, is mm -hmm. there any kind of a uh, hospital protocol to ask someone in pain if they're on welfare? I'm confused about that. Oh, oh, no. They ask if you're on welfare because they assume since you're black 
that you're on welfare, which changes the pay system. See, Kaiser monetizes people. That's what they do. So if they feel like they ain't going to get the maximum allowed payable under CMS, they ain't trying to fool with you, really. You understand what I'm saying? And because I came in under state, I'm in under state fund insurance because I have primary insurance, which is through Sutter. But for this injury, it goes through Kaiser. So I have never in my life received care from Kaiser because like I said 15 years ago, killer Kaiser. I don't have time for that. I've never worked for Kaiser. I've never received care from Kaiser. Everyone that I've known. Now, mind you, Kaiser is 68% of their patient population is black. Mm hmm. And then the other 30, there's, there's like some negligible white people thrown in there. Like, make no mistake about that. There's some negligible white people because you can't get rid of them. They're everywhere. And so um, but then the rest of their population is Filipinos is the highest. But there's other Asian categories as well. There's the Chinese and uh, Vietnamese and Taiwanese. They're all in there, too. And the Asian category, which makes up a large chunk, Hawaiian, Pacific Islanders, because Kaiser's deep in Hawaii. And then um, then there's that negligible amount of white people that go to Kaiser. But for the most part, it's black and brown. And so when they monetize people, they want to make sure because they give they always give the cheapest bundles. So when these employers look for insurance plans to go with, Kaiser's always the cheapest because Kaiser is the largest healthcare system in the United States. Okay, so you, you mentioned this particular hospital for the audience and you mentioned California. What city in, in, that's in? Kaiser South Sacramento. Sacramento. Okay. Those of you brothers and sisters that live in Sacramento, you need to be careful with this. I always try to tell people uh, maybe they live in certain areas. We have a lot of you know people that listen from California. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you don't, you say when you don't have insurance, you about to get treated basically third world standards. Oh, if they, if they think, yeah, yes. If they think I'm not had it put that way, but yes. Um, if they believe you have a substandard uh, care plan, uh, mm -mm. you're going to get the basic bottom shelf care. You know, you're going to get the basic bottom. And they also assume that because you get, you know, you don't have this kind of insurance that um, you also don't have this kind of intellectual level. And I, and I want people to clearly understand that this medical racism has nothing to do with your intellectual level. It really doesn't. They try to pretend like that's what it is, but that's not what it is. You take all socioeconomic things, factors out of it. What's left is that <laughs> these healthcare providers are racist and they don't want to remove those socioeconomic barriers that they place, that they put upon black people. They don't want to remove those to get down to what the real situation is. And the real situation is, is that you guys are racist and they don't want to see that. They don't want to hear that even though the American Medical Association has clearly come out and the public health department has clearly come out to state that racism is a public health threat. But I'm going to tell you, white people will die on a cross like they Jesus before they will admit that they literally, literally are racist. Well, you have to understand, Nurse Angela, and, and it, it, it hit me, you know, like uh, maybe a few weeks ago that, you know, racism, white supremacy is their culture. Because mm -hmm. only a culture is something that you can do. Like the, the people today is doing the exact same thing the people did 500 years ago. Okay. Yes, I mean, they may change the tactics a little bit, but the bottom line is still the same. You understand? So you can it, even go back a thousand years, Philip. You well, can go back even to the Romans. When, well, I'm just talking about at least our interaction, oh, at least oh, in yes. this land, right? Yes. I, I'm, oh, yeah. You know, okay. So when you understand it's a culture, 
sure, you may have, a, and, and from my experience, it's a minimum amount of them that wake up out of that culture right. and, you know, see it's wrong and try to do something about it, but it's the minimum. And I mean the right. minimum. I would say, you know, for me personally, from my experience, I would say 90% at least, you know, mm-hmm. are d- deep into their culture and maybe the, the 10% or so um, is the ones you'll see that's not into their culture. But unfortunately, unfortunately, that small 10% that is, is that's in their group that, that see what their culture is wrong. Um, they're not in positions, you know, of government. They're not in the healthcare system. They're not in the judge. They're not the prosecutor. Nope. Um, they're not the police, unfortunately. Nope. Right. No. And, and, and when they do think they're going to do something, they're going to get the backlash. They're going to get oh, they, yeah. their people, their people group is going to open up some, just some unnecessariness on them. I mean, to the point where they can even lose their life. Can <laughs> it be real serious? Well, let me ask you a question. Um, in, in the medical profession, have you seen a, uh, a, a Mzungu person um, stand up for black people? And did you see some backlash come to that person? Yeah, Sutter. What I, what I originally sent you, that Sutter letter that that CNE sent me at my home, that started out with a white dude, Todd, who was my boss, running interference with her. And then when he left, because she was like merciless to him, I mean, she had him crying at one, one point. And like, I don't cry at work, so I don't understand those type of emotions being released. But I was like, whoa. You know, she was talking craziness about put her boot on my neck. Just some nonsense that wasn't going to happen for her. That wasn't going to happen. And then when I plotted, because you got to plot with these people, when I plotted and did the whoop-de-woo on her, she sent me that ugly letter that I sent you. Yeah, we'll make sure to uh people you know to know about that letter that that's that's for sure uh that letter was was very very um interesting now let me ask you a question if you you got that letter by you that's in my computer mm-hmm. um if you have access to that letter could you read it since we on the podcast sure <sighs> okay so i'm gonna give you a context before i <laughs> read this crazy letter so okay. i'm working at sutter and I was, I was the, originally when I came to Sutter from after I had divorced, um, I was coming from the state of Arizona where I was work as, where I worked as a nurse consultant for the Arizona State Board of Nursing. And so I did investigations into nurses who violated the Nurse Practice Act. And believe me, there's a bunch of them that do that. So anyway, um, I had moved after working there. I had moved back to the state of California because I'm originally from California. And so I moved back to the state of California, but I didn't move back to Southern California because it's a cesspool. So I moved up to North California, Northern California, to Sacramento, basically to Davis is where I actually moved. And um, I had went to work at Sutter as a, a travel nurse for a 13-week assignment. That's how I originally got there. And um, I worked in their PACU. And I, because I was a level one trauma nurse and a PACU nurse, that stuff was easy because this was not like level one. It was like level three. And so Todd was interested in having a nurse manager because he was a director. And so I was there maybe about, I want to say, three weeks into my travel assignment. And he asked me if I would take the job as his nurse manager. So I said, sure. I had come from management. I wasn't trying to do no actual. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be honest. I'm not trying to do bed to bed nursing at this point in my career. I'm not trying to do that. And so um, I went to go work as his nurse manager, and that's when it all started. She was, like, not having it. She didn't understand why he let me control everything. She told him that he needed to put his boot on my neck. Just some crazy nonsense that wasn't going to happen. And so basically she harassed him into quitting. So he quit and went down south. And I took over as director. And I knew, and I told Todd when he left, that, 
you know she's going to come after me because she's been waiting forever to get at me because I never reported to her. I always reported to him. So it was never like an issue because I don't care what you say. I don't report to you. So I don't have it. And so when I took over as a director, I told her very clearly, you leave me alone. We won't have no problem. I always like to let my white people know that if you don't bother me, I ain't going to bother you. But I tell you, if you come after me, then I'm going to bother you real, real hard. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take up residency in your mind and I'm going to mess with you for a very long time if you mess with me. So she didn't take that serious. She thought that was a joke. So she brought these two clowns, one white woman from Florida as a consultant to mess with me. And then another white woman from down south in Orange County named Jane. Jane and Nancy. She, she brought these two in to try to mess with me. But see, I'm smarter than all of them. And so I peaked this stuff a long time ago. And because I'm so good at my job, you know, I had, I ran that department like a squeak. Um, when I say I ran that department, I ran that department like no other. It was the most profitable functioning department you could ever see. So what you going to do with that? You're going to have a hard time convincing uh, headquarters down here in Sacramento that I'm some kind of messed up person because I'm the person that goes, comes to Sacramento and I do all the stuff for Kronos and Clarivia and I'm a trainer and I'm an administrator. And now you suddenly got a problem with me, Angie. Okay. All right. So she tried that. It didn't work out for her. And then I erased a whole bunch of stuff and did a whole bunch of stuff because anytime I come up with creative information on how to do stuff, it's locked firmly in my mind. I don't trust them. I don't put everything. And if I do, I stamp all kinds of stuff all over it. So you can't just go and do stuff with it because everything I create is propriety. You are never getting my thoughts. That's just not how this works. And so um, I did that. I got some stuff shored up. And then, then I went out on sick leave because they stressed me into sick leave. And then I went and saw a counselor. So I was out for a very long time getting paid not messing with them. And then this letter comes to my house. And she came all the way to Sacramento to send this to me. So she says, Angela, there is no color in bitch. And she capitalized that because she wanted to make sure for a fact. So stop being one. You are a cunt to everyone. If you want to be treated like a nigger, keep acting ignorant, get your ugly ass back to work and stop blaming the world for your problems and stop acting like a cunt, exclamation mark. Whoa, so that's man, so that's classic white supremacist talk. That's how they all talk that way. They all talk that way. Like it's, it, it's it's amazing to me. You see what I talk about? Culture. Uh see, that is culture the, right there. She's talking the to head you. nurse. She's the chief nurse. It don't matter what she is. Listen, January the sixth. Listen, January the sixth showed you exactly what America is. You saw people from every profession at yep. storming that capital. Yes, right. And if yeah. that didn't let you know, this country is permeated with white supremacists. And I told people a long time ago, Nurse Angela, look, look, the the, the Klan and neo Nazis. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm good with them because I can see them coming. The right. ones you need to worry about, like you said, is that nurse manager you need to worry about, or yeah. that doctor, or that yeah. radiologist, or whatever ones that like you know you just got to be on, on guard because you don't know which one is on the team. Oh, that, to me, I'm I'm gonna be real. Where I work from, they're all on the team. They're all on the team. I don't trust not no one because I can tell you in this situation, even black, 
Because in this situation right here where this woman came after me for no reason, so I'm going to tell you, no reason whatsoever other than jealousy, and she's dumb, and she thought maybe by bringing Angela down and, you know, bringing her down, because she told me I was an uppity Negro, by the way. Oh, and I was, oh, oh, yes. oh, and I was like, oh, oh so, you know, when we, when we got into the EEOC mediation, I was like, this woman, first of all, she came by my house. I said, she's going to get herself hurt. That's what's going to happen. While y'all sit here and play, and y'all think it's cool for her to be sending this stuff to my house with my daughter, because that's my main concern is that my daughter was in high school at the time. She was a senior um, when this crazy lady's doing all this crazy nonsense. And I said, she's going to find herself hurt is what's going to happen. I said, white supremacists think I'll be playing. But they, when they see my face, they understand very clearly, oh, no, she's not the one to be messed with. This is even if I'm driving down the road and they think they're going to pull some nonsense. Oh, I'll let you know. I'm not afraid of none of them. None of them. And once they know you ain't afraid of none of them, they'll be playing. And she can, now she work in a basement. This is what I'm telling you. This one right here now works in a basement. Because when I told her I was going to come after her, I was going to come after her license is what I meant. She thought it meant like, I'm going to physically assault you. Uh, no, 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 no. I was a nurse consultant for the Arizona State Board of Nursing in 23 compact states. No, I'm coming after your license because what you're doing is unbecoming of a nurse. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. And so that's how, and because I'm a nurse consultant also for the State Board of Nursing for the state of California, yeah, I was not playing with her. I dabble well, in the world of regulation. I don't dabble in the physical world because they're silly and I don't have time for that. So I just take away your livelihood. So she works in the basement now. She can't work with people. So so you shared that letter with, with, with the EOC in the state? Oh, yes. <laughs> and how long How long after after you, you made a, you, you know, you shared it and um, for her to lose her license? How long did it take? We went from this whole mess started in June of 2016 no june of 2015 and i went a whole year they first of all i went off on medical leave and then she tried to entice you know this crazy letter she thought was enticing me to come back and then i went back because my attorney at the time told me that i needed to basically get more information basically let them shame me which is what they did so i showed up at sutter in vallejo uh coming off my medical leave and basically angie showed out she showed out and showed down her and Nancy and Jane and Jane tried to have me arrested. It was crazy. And they had me escorted out in front of my employees. They wouldn't let me get my purse. It just got real, real some lunacy. So I got my purse, got my belongings, went and sat in my car, contacted my attorney. He said it was great. Now we're going to take him to court. And they decided to mediate it. And so we went to the EOC. So that was probably a year. From the time that they humiliated me, cut off my pay, but then had to reinstate me. Just all kinds of stuff they was doing. <clears throat> okay, so so let me ask you another question. Um, in, in that in that industry, you see nur a lot of nurses coming in, and I know, you know, statistically, the majority of them, uh, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately due to the racism aspect, are uh, Mazungu. Um, can we, what'd you say? 85% of the nursing workforce and it's a lot. And by the way, it's the largest workforce in the United States and 85% of it is white. Okay. 85%. Okay, man. That's, that's, that's overwhelmingly. Um, now let me ask you a question about that is, but do you think some of that's going to change as you see in demographics change in this country though? White women love their nursing. I don't know. They be had, I mean, they be holding those nursing programs with a fist. <laughs> 
So, I mean, you got to actually go through these white nursing programs in order because no black person owns a nurse. I mean, has a nursing program. I mean, like I got my my uh, daughter's uh, child into the Howard nursing program. And then that program was so chaotic that um, she transferred over to Georgetown. So I'm like, you know, I need black people to get their stuff together. You got all these historically black colleges that has nursing programs like Tuskegee, who was ran by a white woman. Like, why on earth would you have a, I can't, I see, it just upsets me. But anyway, we don't really have nursing programs. And that is one of my goals when I get to Africa is to have actually a black nursing program where black nurses can be booted out and know what they're doing and what they're saying and take care of our people appropriately. So in order to be a nurse, you got to go through these white programs. And these white women who run these programs, who's professors of these programs, who always be trying to tell you stuff, they don't know what they're talking about. But um, they run these programs with a fist. I went to the University of Washington. There was two of us. Two. And before that, there was none. So let me ask you a question about those nursing programs. Okay, you, you go through, you get your degree. And then what you try to apply to get into nursing school, is that correct? Take the NCLEX. NCLEX. Okay, you take the NCLEX. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you you take the NCLEX. And um, is that, I think, was it Washington? or Is Washington or California, is is that those states that you could use your license in multiple states? Uh, Washington is compact. California is not. Okay. I know know Texas is compact. Yes, Texas is compact. Yes. Arizona is compact. Okay. Ohio's not compact. Um, Chicago, Illinois is not uh, compact. They fall under an umbrella, um, an umbrella public health program, uh, public health umbrella. So they're like listed with a whole bunch of other things, like in a a, a like healthcare type thing in Illinois. It's crazy. But but something you brought up earlier that that kind of bothers me, and it's been going on, and you mentioned earlier it would happen with you, um, the pain aspect. Oh, they don't believe black people is in pain. What do that come from and how do they measure somebody else's pain? Because pain to me, it's kind of like someone that they look at beauty, like it's subjective to that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everything that you're taught in any school you go to, no matter what you're, if you're in an allied health, health science, you're always taught that pain is what the patient tells you the pain is. It's not for your interpretation to say, well, maybe she has pain. But I noticed that white doctors like to dabble in that. They like to This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system dabble in the objective like she don't look like she in pain to me but mm, is it really your call is it really your call to say who looks like they're maybe in pain or is it the patient when they tell you like when i told the patient when i told dr iskander that this is the worst pain i've ever had in my life and i said not aside i've had two children with no anesthesia and i said and this is the worst pain because this was an all-encompassing body pain because once it that knocked out I mean, this muscle group didn't talk to this muscle group and this muscle group and this muscle group. So it took out my whole right side, which is my dominant side. And I can't sit up and I can't lay down and I can't turn over and I can't do anything. Can't twist my side. And I'm like, so how is it that y'all suddenly say that I'm not in pain? And that it's not as, you know, apparent as, you know, 
And this is notwithstanding because I also had a pelvic drop, which is a physical symptom from not having the, you know, tendon attached to the bone. And so I'm walking crooked and I still remain crooked because I've lost so much muscle tissue. And that gives me atrophic muscle pain is horrible. I have restless leg syndrome now. It's just, they, they mess me up. But you know what? It ain't going to be the end all be all because I'm one of the most determined people these people will ever, ever meet. Okay, so let me ask, let me ask you a question about, about this. Okay, so since with all your experience, we talking about the safety of black people going and dealing with um, you know healthcare and, and and what we can do, you know, a, as a community. So, do you believe for the for the safety of black people, should we make sure to get a black doctor? Yes. Could you explain why? I'm going to tell you, like, so if you if you're ever if you ever look into like health news or public health news or anything like that, you know that we have an epidemic of black women dying in childbirth. Baby die, mama die, everybody dies. These are normally healthy black women who have the unfortunate, unfortunate, I tell you, to come in contact with the white health care system that don't care about them. And you can't give caring, like you can't make people care. I've been in nursing for a long time and we have several theories. I, I don't understand why white people come up with theories on how to care. Like it's, it's sad that you have to have a theory on how to take care of people, on how to care for, to be a caring and compassionate person. <sighs> but that's what they do. They take these classes. In my master's program, there was several theology uh, things, which if we really know about nursing, they try to say Florence Nightingale is, is the initiator of nursing, but that's not real. Um, Mary Seaborn, Mary Seaborn would be the initiator. She was a Jamaican nurse that went over to England during the Crimean War and was talking about how the environment, this, this war environment with the nastiness around and having the windows closed up and being in these confined, uh, enclosed areas and confined with all these different sick people is making these people sicker. That was her philosophy. And then Florence Nightingale being... I don't know, being white, uh, decided to catapult that. And then now we got Florence Nightingale, who's the mother of uh, nursing. That's not real. That makes sense because we we start things and then they steal it like mm -hmm. normal. Mm -hmm. And because their culture is definitely stealing. Mm -hmm. And then they steal it because they have more money because of slavery. Mm -hmm. And then they capitalize on it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, you know, mm -hmm. that's, hmm, that's interesting. And, next thing, and the next thing you know, you got Florence Nightingale schools of nursing all over. All mm -hmm. over. Just like mm -hmm. here in America, you have like I, when I went to the University of Washington, because um, I transferred from Arizona State University, like I got into three nursing programs. I got into San Diego State nursing program. I got into um, Arizona State nursing program. And then I decided I didn't like none of those programs. And I wanted to go to University of Washington's program because it was the number one nursing program uh, in the state at the time. And so I told my ex-husband at the time, because he was Navy, a retired Navy. And so I told him that I'm going to need you to get stationed um, up in Bremerton because I'm going to need to go to University of Washington. I had already planned it. And so he did it. And then I knew that sending in those orders and all this other stuff that I would get into the program, I would not have to pay out-of-state tuition, and that I would get scholarships of some sort. I knew these things, right? And so I did all of that. We got stationed in Bremerton. Um, I went on, I got a Mary Gates. Uh, a Mary Gates scholarship, which is Bill Gates' mother. I got a Mary Eliza Mahoney scholarship, which was the first black nurse, professional nurse in the United States. Now, the funny thing about Mary Eliza Mahoney, 
she's my hero, first of all. I'm just going to say that because she, I modeled everything after her um, on how I deal with people. She was the first public health nurse, but she started the Colored Nurses Association and how devilish they are. Because now, you know, we have the American Nurses Association. They were so devilish over in New York that they took her idea on how to incorporate nursing and get it where it has central function and took her Colored Nurses Association and renamed it the American Nurses Association. And that's what we have to this day. So I tell you, when I tell you they steal, they lie, they corrupt, they're cesspool. I mean those things. When we look at history, I mean, we know that it just even recently, even the young kids have caught on. And and like, I don't know, you may be heard about this. You may not be into this, but that platform, TikTok, um, they these black kids will come up with a lot of dances. Right. And Mm -hmm. then what was was happening to that? They was coming with all these great dances. These white kids will steal it. And then (laughs) they end up getting on. Uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, they end up getting brand deals, making millions of dollars stealing from the black uh, young kids. So what the black young kids end up doing was say, you know what, since y'all stealing our stuff and we're not getting recognized for it and y'all making millions, we're going to go on strike. And so they just stopped doing uh, TikTok dances. And it was so funny that when they were left to do their own dances, it was so funny to even watch. It was like a freaking train wreck. In other words, these people <laughs> cannot do nothing on their own merit without stealing from somebody. Let me let can I just say, and I want to just say this so that everyone is clear on how you can pick these people out. And I don't care if they white, they practice in white supremacy and they in black skin. I don't care who you are. Yeah, they could be Indian and Asian and all that. Right. That's right. You can be Indian, you can be Asian. If you are actively running around with the mark of the beast, white supremacy, running around doing white supremacy stuff, running and talking crazy, Asians, because I live in an Asian neighborhood here in Sacramento. But anyway, um, and I don't, I don't mind putting them on notice. You talk to me crazy. I have a Chinese neighbor on both sides. Talk to me crazy if you want to. Go ahead. That's what I told my neighbor, Mark. Talk to me crazy if you want to. You'll find your whole house in a problem. But anyway, the one thing we need to understand clearly is that white people are not creators. That's not what they do. They destroy. So if you know you create, you know you're not like them because they destroy. If you know that you can, um, so when they came off all TikTok, when TikTok, the black folks come off of TikTok and white people are left that they own because they never create anything, this is how apparent you see it. Because now you don't have black people to sponge off of and take their ideas and make them into your own. Not real. When you're not a creator of stuff, you get lost. So they're lost now. TikTok can stay lost. I don't know much about TikTok, but um, I don't, I'm not down with people stealing other people's stuff. AKA, I'm not down with white people still and black people stuff. Yeah, if, if, you know, black folks, you know, I remember some years ago that the uh, Mexicans actually did this. Uh, I remember they said a day without Mexicans and like all of them called off for work. None of them will go to work that day. Um, and, and they like showed out doing that. And I said, I wish black folks would actually do that for a change. Like we all get on code and say, you know, a week or something, two weeks without black folks. And let's like don't spend no money, don't do nothing in that time period. We were literally mess up the economy by doing that. And black folks don't even realize the power that we have in this country. We don't realize it. These people lie to us all the time. Like we so uh, downtrodden and all that. Like, man, we hold a economy and everything by the balls because we're the biggest consumer. Exactly. And we're the biggest consumers worldwide. If you, I mean, if you want to be honest about what really is the situation with black people, black people love to consume other people's shit. Like, why? 
Like, why are you running around consuming and putting labels on your body of your oppressor? That sends me over the edge. I don't want to see another entertainment star because this I'm done with this. Seeing Gucci, Gucci, Gucci everywhere. You are putting these oppressors labels. What we see and what what our creator sees is that you're running. You don't have a problem being oppressed because you are so keen to put the oppressor on your body. You are so keen to dabble in what the oppressor has to give you. They they gone. They gone. I just I just hold on to hope to the ones that like you and I and uh, some of all the other people that I see on. Um, I'm very specific on the platforms that I pay attention to. And so the people I pay attention to, there's hope for us. <laughs> there's hope for us because we see what's coming down the pipeline. But the people who are blind is like blind, blind, blind. Yeah, and, and this is the thing that. about that. I'm a firm believer of, and, and, and which is sad, is that, you know, we need to monetize anything that we are a part mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. and anything that we consume, no matter no matter what. Because one thing, like at least at me on the media side, and I'll get back to ask you a question about the healthcare, is that, you know, I believe we need to corner news. We need to corner mm-hmm. entertainment. We need to get corner sports, weather. We need to corner everything because if we don't corner it, guess who's going to be taking it, uh, using our culture and our creations right. to do everything? It's going to be others. And and, right. and, not, and now people starting to really see that and understand, you know, uh, the, the all of that. Now, you mentioned earlier you had created in healthcare different procedures and things like that, and you were smart enough to say, no, oh, no, no, yeah. I'm going to delete it. I'm not going to give it to you because what they'll end up doing is like that lady that, that you talked about. If you'd have mm-hmm. left it and she's like, oh, this is actually a good idea. She would have uh, put her name on it and she would have presented it to them folks. And Most now she definitely. probably would have got some recognition. And, and, and now they would call the procedure her procedure. You're like, what the hell? That's mine. You and understand? So I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Oh, I understand clearly. And so, like, here's the cold part of what, what, I, what I actually did. They can't do nothing now. We have laws protecting me now, and I'll use them. I don't. I'm not afraid to use the laws that they be coming up with to protect themselves. They might as well protect me too. So, um, I, what I did was I put them on a flash drive. Like this was like over months, Philip. I had been plotting my um, leave. I left some a little bit of cash on my desk. I left some things where it looked like I wasn't going nowhere, and I had been slowly expunging my information out of my computer. And then the cold part, I took the whole computer. So even if they had, you know, t- IT go in and do a forensic search, because I had to do a forensic search on her because I knew that she sent me that letter. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But um, if they were ever to do a forensic search, they would have to have a time frame. And so I made sure, you know, you ain't going to have no time frame. because I'm going to do it sporadically. It's going to be in the morning. It's going to be at the evening. It's going to be here. It's going to be there. And I put all that stuff, all my stuff on a drive and took it with me and then took my laptop, my actual company laptop. So I said, if y'all going to discriminate against me, sue me for this stuff. Sue it. And you can get it back. They never got it back. And I destroyed it. But that's not the point. The point is that they think they're so smart. But see, when you're going to discriminate against me and I already know you're going to do that because I smell you from the door because you're so scared, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. And she even turned my charge nurse against me, who's black, by the way. And, um, oh, yeah, she wrote some crazy letter that popped up in the EOC. And I said, that's lies. That's all lies. And I don't I don't care how this black face white supremacist managed to get, you know, this letter into Angie's little pudgy hands. But what I'm saying is that she's a lie, and now I have to be on the lookout for the blackies who are body snatchers, and I got to be on the lookout for white people. I said, this ain't about some shit. I'm about done with this America. 
Well, let, let me, let's, let's get into the black part, black, some of the blacks. Okay, so you have some black folks that want to, you know, uh, suck and jive for, for them folks. Um, oh. What kind of problems ha- do they cause in, in the oh. industry? You know, I have a firm, firm like, um, rule. If white people like you, I immediately don't trust you. Mm. And so, I mean, I'm telling you, if white people sing your praises, I'm done. I don't trust you. I feed you with a long-handled spoon. And I knew this about Anita. But the thing is, I have to work with her because she's my only charge nurse for for PACU, pre-op, you know, phase one and two. And so I have to interact with her. So I just made sure when she be asking me questions, I don't answer her questions. Like she'd be asking me, what do you think about Angie? I don't think about Angie. What are you talking about? What do I think about Angie? I don't think about her. You know, so I have to give those responses, but they always trying to get information. They think they slick. They think because we're black, we're both black, we're black, right? Oh, we can say and do whatever. Girl, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I see you. I see you. And I'm going to tell you, I see you when you be sneaking off to Angie's office. People be telling me you was down in Angie's office for 30 minutes, even though you told me you was going to lunch. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? You go on down there. You set up in white white woman's office because she hates you too, by the way. And I told I told Anita this. She hates you too. So don't think that by any stretch of the imagination, the reason that she's glomming onto you is to get to me. I even had to tell Kanika when we, at, at California State Government, the reason they messing with you is because they know they better not come after me. I promise you, they come after me because I had my attorney call California State and let them know under no circumstances if you even think about it, you're going to get sued. They stop real quick with that one. Yeah, anytime on, on the job, anybody tell you, what do you think about this one? Do you think about that one? I, I've had experience with that before myself. And um, it, it's it's always a setup. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't even answer those questions. And like you said, I don't I don't be thinking about nobody, man. I'm trying to get, you know, I walk off. Like, you know, I won't, <laughs> I won't even entertain you because when I know you messy like that and trying to like siphon information, but usually when you have a certain look about you, mm-hmm. people people don't, really mess with you too much. And I've learned to have a certain look like mm-hmm. for instance, um, I, I remember, you know, the times that, that what they, they would like to do the Mzungus. A lot of times they, they try to, they try to like think that you walk in a room with them and then they're how they'll start staring at you mm-hmm. and thinking they can intimidate you. So the, the key is you gotta, you gotta intimidate them back. Right. That's right. So I don't know if, if, if women could do it as well as men, but I remember one time I had them do that to me and I did, I was just looking. So what I ended up doing is just start having that, having a mean mug face and start staring them in the eye. One thing they don't like you to do, yeah. it's just intently stare in the eye and I do oh, it until real. they look away. That's, oh, that's how I real. do it. Oh, and I do. you stare at all of them real intently until they look away at you and then, and make, and then they'll say something. Oh, Hey, you like, yeah, what's going on? Like, in other words, like, you're not going to punk me because I know what y'all are doing. Because some black folks, you know, the folks will stare at them and then you want to look away. No, never look away from them. You stare at them till they look away. That's right. You stare them down. And That's I'll tell you, you a, a funny story. Women can do it, too. At least I know I have the capability. Well, some I, women I, can. Some women can. But yeah, women, I don't know can. that all. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's not all. I, I have disability because I've been dealing with this for so long. And I'm gonna be real. I come from a trauma. I come from a trauma background. I'm not, I'm independent like no other. 
And in a trauma, you have to be independent. And so I don't have time for all this nonsense that they like to give. But I will tell you, Kanika didn't have the gift to do it. She let them people drive her crazy. And she had to move out of the whole state of California. I said, there'll be not a place, not a one, not a ever, that you're going to tell me I have to do something for you. So I, they they was Mickey Mousing around at Arizona, I mean, at California state government where I worked. And um, they was going through Kanika. Well, this one black-faced white supremacist named uh, Rita sent me a um, email because she wasn't happy with what, something I said. Because, see, like, I, there's some things I just don't do. Like, I don't dabble with people who I feel intellectually are beneath me, and I don't have time for that because you don't offer anything to me, so I don't have time for that. And so she wasn't happy with that, that I was like, I don't be dealing with you like that. That's not how I deal with you. And, and, and I also had information that she was sleeping with one of these white men. And I just don't have time for that, Philip. You just don't understand. I don't have time for that kind of stuff in a workplace. I just don't. And so um, she sent me an email. I sent her back a terse remark. Don't send me no email if you don't want the truth. And she wasn't happy with that. So she sent it to Jason and Vince and all these other white men who decided they was going to send me an email talking about we need to meet regarding an email. I don't know. I ain't sent none of y'all no email. I don't know what you're talking about. And they said, oh, we know. Okay. okay. So I got myself together. I got me a, a pad and a pen because I, I write everything. They don't like that. They don't like when you come in ready to document who's present, uh, who's going to do, who said what, who did what, right? So I walk into the meeting and the way they set this meeting up is that when you walk into the conference room, all of them was on one side of the table. And I was like, oh, you ain't going to power move me like that. So I sat smack dab in the middle of them. The fake boss that I was supposedly reported to, she was over in the corner because she knew from the get go. If you say anything during this meeting, when I get you back to your office, we're going to have a stern talking to. And she knew that we, Ju Julie, Judy knows she ain't ready for that. Trust me, we have a history. She ain't ready for that. And we had a history. And so um, I walk in there. I sit down in the middle. They get all nervous. Like, well, uh. Are you going to not sit? No, I'm not sitting over there. You don't choose where I sit. I'm a grown woman. You ain't going to choose where I sit. So I sit down. What you got the pad for? Oh, I like to make sure I keep good notes when people call me to meetings just surreptitiously and I don't know what's happening. So I like to make sure I keep good track of it. And so that immediately puts them on arm. And then they proceed and they say, okay, we'll start and whatever. And they proceed and they proceed to tell me that I sent some let some email to Rita. And I look at Rita and I said, oh, is this how it's going to go down? So I just simply told them straightforward that anything I have to say to Rita, I'll say it directly to Rita. It don't have nothing to do with you, you, or you. And I told them if they're going to keep doing this, they're going to get a stern reminder from my attorney because I'm not going to keep doing this. I am a consultant. I don't work for none of y'all. And I'm going to need y'all to stay out of my business, basically. And so, yeah, that's and how that folks, folks. Uh, <laughs> them folks, like I said, you, you, we can be on here 10 hours talking about them. Folks. Oh yeah. Um, they're just not good people. It, it, it's just, so, so before we, before we wrap, before we wrap up here, could you give us on top of getting a black doctor is, is basically what save your life. What are the tips that, you know, black folks can do or even, you know, say um, in those situations to make sure we either treat it right or, or to avoid um, the white supremacists in healthcare for people that, you know, definitely say, well, what do we do? I I'm going to tell black people what you need to do in your life, no matter what it is when it comes to white people, assertive, be assertive. You are responsible for your personal being. Don't give that over to anybody. So one is that you you be assertive. For your health care, for anything that you do in your life, be assertive, take ownership of it. 
so that you are completely accountable to your life. You don't turn your life over to somebody else. I just told my son this. You know, my son is dealing with Las Vegas Metro Police Department who had to change their policy. So now they decided, since my son took them to the EOC to make them change their policy because they have the Crown Act, now they're going to harass him. So they were taking pictures and sending them up the chain to all this stuff. And I said, oh, okay. So it's things like that. Document, I told him, never let nobody tell you what the laws are and what the rules are. You better know those laws and those rules. So when they come talking to you crazy, you can say, uh-uh, that ain't real. And he made sure he did that. So you make sure you know the laws and the rules that govern everything that you are going to do. Take accountability for yourself. Don't let somebody else take accountability for you. And then third, the most important, question everything these people say to you. Don't believe nothing they say. Question, question, question. Document, document, document. Even if you have to show up to appointments with a pen and a pad, that scares them. And when you ask questions because you're concerned about your well-being, that scares them. Don't let them push stuff on you. We too far gone for this to be an issue. Why does the pen and pad scare them? Because they don't like documentation. Don't you notice they do everything so you don't know? Like they meet off offline, out of work. Like the one thing that I noticed at CDCR that they like to do, the correctional officers when they was going to do dirt, and it would get to me, and most people wouldn't think that it was a big deal. They were like, oh, yeah, we were at the gun range this morning for three hours shooting. Is it, Are you requalifying for your gun? I don't understand why you guys were there for three. Oh, we were talking. See, when you talking offline and away from work, I know you're plotting and you're being a devil. So, no, they do this. They plot behind behind our back. So you don't know what's happening. That's why I was like, why would anybody not want to out races? I want to out races so I can see them coming. Why would you want people who plot behind the scenes, who send emails to each other? You know, my son wouldn't have known about the email that they sent up the chain to all these 12 different people if it hadn't been for some astute white boy who believes they're being racist toward my son. And he's the one that outed and sent the email to my son. But that's the kind of stuff that you don't know because they keep it to themselves. Oh yeah. White supremacy works best in darkness and shadows, right? That's why they don't really like today where everybody is exposing them and calling them out. They don't like That's that. Right. I mean, That's they right. really losing their mind, you know, with that today because well, imagine people... you come in fully loaded with a pen and a pad, ready to discuss some real issues and take complete charge of everything. You know, they're going to lose their minds. They're going to lose their minds. That's been my experience for 31 years is that when you come fully loaded, not playing because I don't play with white people. I play with everybody else, mainly my family and stuff like that. But I don't, the one thing I don't play with is white supremacy because you let your guard down one second, one minute. These people just have a way of sneaking in. They get in. It's like it's like uh, silly putty. They oozy. They get in everywhere. And you just can't let your guard down one second, one moment. It's a horrible pl way to live here in the United States like that. But that's how we live. Because if you let your guard down, best believe something gonna happen. Best believe something gonna happen. Yeah, it's kind of like in this country, you have to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. It's about, you know, that's really what it is. It um, is here in America now. Me, like I say, when I'm on the continent, I'm definitely more relaxed. Oh, I'm. Oh my God, my stress level is not that. That's why I can't wait to 2022. Mm -hmm. you know, that's just what we decided. 2022, we uh start getting our travels back to the to continent and everything, and I can't wait.
um, <laughs> you know, letting this co- let this COVID thing kind of pass on through and what it needs to do, uh, at least from the healthcare professionals that we talk to that mm-hmm. are black, by the way. Right, right. Mazungus about about health here. Um, just I'm sorry, we just don't do that. Um, <laughs> you know, like, like I was telling people, you know, like they got like here in Houston at least they got this website called Black Book Houston, and mm-hmm. you can find anything you need from black people, whether it's a mm-hmm. nurse. Nurses, doctors, lawyers, therapists, restaurants, like you can find whatever you need. And I love it. I love it. I oh, love I, it. I love you it. know, I used to go like when I was uh, director of surgical services and perioperative services, we used to have our um, meetings in, in Texas. And Houston got so many black people, it's just unreal. Like, I mean, in prof- professional black people. I yeah. mean, I'm sure it has other black people, but that's not my world. So I don't know about that. But uh, like professionals, doctors and stuff, I'm like, oh, y'all got it. Uh, Dennis, y'all got everything up in here. It's great. It's great. Yes, no excuse. Like that, that ha- there is no excuse. So when you live in cities that are just a plethora of black people, you have no reason to be unhealthy. Absolutely unequivocally, because you have all your resources. It's these unfortunates that live in all these other places. Like, I've never had a white doctor, with the exception of Dr. Iskander, and that was given to me because I was hurt and it was a contract. But other than that, if it's me going to initiate, oh, no. No, 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 no. I will never. I will never. Mm-mm. These people don't know nothing about no black body. You ain't touching me. I need someone black to do that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So with that that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you learn nothing else from this today, uh, white supremacy permeates the healthcare industry. I mean, like it permeate the airline industry like last time. And so make sure that you, you know, as you said, document, 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 keep your eye on these people, be assertive as the sister said, get you a black doctor. I mean, you need to make sure that's put on your list um, because as you hear and hear that the majority of them, you know, have white supremacist ideals. Okay. And, and, and it comes out, you know, mm-hmm. denying you medicine for pain is, a white supremacist trope to say black people don't feel pain. That goes all the way back to slavery. When it you start operating on black women with no without anesthetic, oh, without any anesthetic. And it was basically just like, looky, see what's going to happen to them. Like, I mean, documenting our response to pain. So they know that we have pain because they've documented through all their little slave trials. They know, they know that we have extra nerve endings. Like I, I love the fact that they say black people don't feel pain when we are the most sensitive people because we have so much, melanin is sensitive. Melanin is the same stuff that's found in outer space in black holes. Melanin is the same stuff that's made from this earth. So if anybody thinks that we ain't special, you better think again, because everything that's in a black body is of this earth, is of this earth. The iron, the nitrogen, it's all in us, in our melanin. So y'all, the reason they experiment is because they want to be us. They really want some get out, that's for real. They really do. And it's something that would never, never, never happen. The earth is heating up and mm-hmm. we are children of the sun. And, and I, I love it. I hope the earth keep heating up. I have no well, problem you, with it. You know, Portland and Seattle, they hate and they live right now up in Oregon and uh, Washington. <laughs> Canada. Oh, yeah, they are right now. Yeah, they get cooked out there. <laughs> They They're like cooked. 119. That's right, 119. I lived in Phoenix, so I've seen it hot. 126. I'm just saying, I didn't burn up. <laughs> I didn't burn up. It was 126. But I know they little selves are hot. Oh, I know they hot and red. 
I said, oh, well. So, <laughs> so Nurse Angela, we thank you for joining us uh, today uh, on the podcast. And um, we, we appreciate you coming through and, and, and giving us all this knowledge to help protect black people and, and people that's even thinking about getting into the healthcare industry, what they can do uh, to protect themselves as well. Yes, and thank you. People, stay strong. This is a war for real. Thank you.